Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 18th of September 2019 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Hong Kong is an international travel hub, and we are a well-traveled bunch. While the rest of the world often knows little about us, in any group in Hong Kong, there's usually someone who's been to almost any country you can name. This week, as we're reminiscing about our most recent vacation, we'll be listening to a story from Jess about her adventures overseas. After Jess, we'll hear a story from Yuri about another adventure. Before we get to today's stories, however, we'd like to say a huge thank you to our beloved Hong Kong audience. We appreciate you taking time to listen to our stories, especially since you have so many other demands on your attention these days. Thanks go out to our listeners around the world as well, especially those in Farnborough in the UK, Bien Hao in Vietnam, and Petaling Jaya in Malaysia. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. October is a busy month for us storytellers. We have our regular show on Wednesday the 23rd, which will have the theme Unearthed, and we have the Student Story Slam on the 26th, where students 11 to 18 are invited to write and perform their stories on stage. If you'd like to find out more about either of these events or of any other of the cool stuff we do, go to hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. And now with the story from the February 2019 show with the theme Direction Unknown, here is Jess. Two summers ago, I was on a 10-day road trip in New Zealand with my boyfriend, the sloth. If you've never traveled with one, they're quite the travel companion. Um, and uh, I, if you've never been to New Zealand, I can tell you 10 days is not enough. New Zealand's made up of two islands, North and South Island, and it's not a place to rush through. It's a place full of majestic landscapes, rolling hills, and open green space so vast you can run to the middle of the highway, strike a pose, take a photo, and often not one car will pass by. It's a place to disconnect and get off the grid because nothing is more important and breathtaking than the views. It's also a place full of really nice people. And you might not meet many, though, because they say there's more sheep than people. And everywhere you drive, you see sheep just roaming freely on the hills, not at a farm, just freely, as freely as it feels traveling here. Sloth and I have always wanted to rent a camper van, and so we did it with a rental company called Juicy. The van itself is painted with a very obnoxious green and purple stripes, evenly split across the body, with a really loud message that says, Live Juicy, J-U-C-Y, accompanied by a curvy female figure blowing kisses at you. So you can see, this, it gets really obnoxious. But funny enough, the van actually grew on me because it's not just a van experience, it's, it's actually a community. Every time we drove past another juicy driver, we'd honk at each other lightly to say hello. We'd help each other with any issues if we see them pull over, like you know, water pumping issues or nasty toilet camper van issues, which I probably don't want to get into. But every, everyone's just so nice, including the locals, the travelers, and it makes everything feel really warm and organic. 
And throughout our trip, Sloth and I developed this rhythm where we try to capture all of this beauty. And um, he would take the dronies, I take the still shots, and we split the GoPro videos. It's quite a handful, constantly trying to switch gears and charge your devices. And what's even harder is capturing the stunning alpine landscapes. And to be honest, no amount of pictures or videos will do justice to its majesticness. Um, and, and as I continue to take photos, I, at some point I just, re I just realize I will take a photo, I take a few steps back, take more photos, and I'm like, there's no way I can ever squeeze this entire landscape into one frame. So I just give up and enjoy the view, as one should. Because like I said, disconnect and go off the grid. Guilty as charged. And so um, we, uh, we were traveling um, to, from North to South Island, which we took a plane. And I can tell you New Zealand is a place full of surprises and adventures, mostly good ones. Um, so when we flew from North to South Island, our flight was delayed by a precious half day due to the fog. Apparently a common weather condition in the autumn here. Um, and because of that, we missed out on the capital city of New Zealand, Wellington, which is, I heard is a foodie town, but I, I can't say because I've never been anymore. Um, and so on the day that we uh, arrived in Wellington, um, we were making our way to the Airbnb um, because usually we'd stay out of a camper van um, on, the juicy, on the juicy camper van at the campsites. And if you've never been, again, in, in, in the autumn in New Zealand, the sun sets really early at 5 p.m. So by the time we got in there, started driving to the Airbnb, it was already 5.30. And we were making our way to the Airbnb to Queenstown. And we actually were driving through one of the most scenic drives in New Zealand called Crown Rage Road. But because it was 5.30 p.m. and really dark, I didn't see anything and I was really bummed to miss out on this epic view, the windy roads, and now invisible coastline. Bummer. Well, so I thought at least I'd look out the windows to see if I can at least catch the city lights. And to my surprise, I saw some stars glistening in the sky. And well, conveniently, there is a pullover spot just right up ahead. So I, I, I suggest to Sloth, why don't we just have a quick look and head back to the Airbnb? I was completely unprepared for what I'm about to see. Turns out it was an entire canvas of stars. Whoa. Suddenly everything feels like it stopped in time. We stand in awe as many cars come and go just to take a photo or two. And um, 10 minutes later, as we were stargazing in awe, the lady next to us suggested that we check out an even better spot five minutes down the road for a better view. I mean, sure, why not? It's on our way to the Airbnb anyway. So we drive to this parking lot that she recommended and take a lap around to see what's there. But there isn't much. On one side, there is the silhouettes of the mountains casting dark shadows onto the lake, and the rest is just tall, bare trees. This is underwhelming. Maybe the first time seeing the stars was just so impressive that it didn't seem as incredible this time. Or 
I know what it is. This lady was just asking us to leave nicely because, I mean, to be fair, we kept repeating the same one-liner and over and over that night. Holy shit, I've never seen so many stars my whole life. I don't blame her. And so um, we, we set up our camera gear with a tripod, 30-second shutter, and I max out my ISO to capture as much light as possible. I connect the shutter button to a handheld clicker so it would stabilize and keep my photo still. We wait patiently in the cold. Um, and by then, our fingers are already numb, feet are frozen, and we're just waiting to see how the photos turn out. Feeling a bit tricked, meanwhile, calling dibs on who gets to use the bathroom first when we get to the Airbnb. So I casually glance at my camera to see how the photos turn out. And then I noticed something, and I froze. Sloth, do you see that? Do you see that faint green light? It's just, it's just glowing subtly against the backdrop and the silhouettes of the mountains. Wait, I flip a few more photos to compare, just to make sure I'm not, you know, hallucinating. And then I see the green glow subtly blend into this radiating purple. Wait, oh my god, this is the southern lights. Holy shit, this is the southern lights. Wow. And at that moment, I froze. I panicked. I, with, and I wanted to capture more photos. With each take, I'd hold my breath. <gasps> Worried that I'd ruin the shot if I didn't stay still, even though I had a stabilizing clicker in hand. <sighs> um, and at this point, I keep looking through my photos to see how it turns out. And then I realized that there's only so much I could capture in the photos. And again, I do the same thing where I realize I can't capture and I just give up. And after that, we basically decided to um, just marvel at, this, uh, marvel at the sight of the Southern Lights. And, and there is no one but us at this spot right now. The tranquility of the southern lights just in the background and us marveling, stargazing. And it's also surreal. Like I said, 10 days is not enough for New Zealand. Some good advice I've been given in the past is never cease to wonder. You can be minding your own business just putting one foot in front of the other and the world will grab you by the shoulder and say, hey, look, look at that. Isn't it beautiful? You know that story that you have inside of you? Maybe it's time to let it out. Come to a free workshop and we can help you to get that story ready to tell to the best of your abilities. Find out how at hongkongstories.com. And now with the story from 2016 Hong Kong International Literary Festival here in Hong Kong, here is Yuri. So it's early 2006. I've got about nine years in Seoul, South Korea in the rearview mirror and a job waiting for me in Portland, Oregon on the other side of the world. I've managed to finagle a few months off before the new job starts, 
and I'm making the most of it, an extended backpacking trip. It started with a few days in Bangkok. I moved on to Siem Reap, spent a couple of days exploring the wonders of Angkor Wat and the surrounding areas. And the next stop is Phnom Penh. Michelle and Troy, my traveling companions of convenience at the time, they're going to meet their friend Raven in Phnom Penh. Arriving in Phnom Penh, it's, it's a bit of a shock to the system after Siem Reap, which was pretty undeveloped at that time, pretty quiet. We, we get off the boat into this throng of touts trying to pull us in every direction. Bustle our way through with our luggage, put it into a tuk-tuk, and pull out into the throng of beeping traffic. Eventually, we make our way to Phnom Penh's Olympic Stadium, which I might add has never hosted an Olympics, and get dropped off at the marketplace around there. And there he is, Raven. He comes striding through the crowd towards us. His flip-flops are making a pat-pat sound on the ground as he comes. Thai fisherman's pants are flowing behind his legs as he moves. A loose linen lousy shirt blowing in the breeze of his passage. Raven's tanned a bronze, his earlobes distended by bone circles. John Lennon's sunglasses perched on his nose. There's a smile a mile wide on his face, and it's all topped with one of those gold umbrellas, you know, the kind you more usually see with the omnipresent monks in Cambodia. Well, fond greetings are made and introductions are, are also made. Hello, how you doing? Where you been? Raven quickly hustles us over into a cab that he has waiting for us and instructs the driver in what might be perfect Khmer, or, or maybe just passable, I'll never really know. One way or the other, we spend the next couple of days exploring Cambodia's pretty dark recent history. We spend uh, an afternoon going through the quiet corridors at Tol Slang, the, the Khmer Rouge prison. We visit Chong Ak, the killing fields. It's, it's all very, very intense. And before we know it, Michelle and Troy, they've got to get on their airplane and head back to Canada. And you know, as they're departing, my mind starts to turn to a flight that I've got coming up. Bangkok to London, 16 hours, economy class, British Airways. I'm not looking forward to this. Hey, it's no problem, dude, Raven tells me. You just got to get some Valium. Valium? I've never had Valium before. Where the hell would I get Valium? Well, that's the least of your concern, dude. You see, Cambodia has no prescription system. You can go into any pharmacy. They'll sell you anything you want. Uh, okay, I mean, it's like 15 minutes later, and I'm on the sidewalk in front of this pharmacy, and I've got this crinkly blister pack in front of me, and there's no box, and there's no instructions, and, well, I guess there's no problem. Paging Dr. Raven. Uh, uh, Raven, uh, how many of these should I take? He goes into diagnostic mode. Well, dude, what do you want to do? Do you want to sleep, or do you just want to relax? Uh, 16 hours, economy class, British Airways, I want to sleep. 
you should take five. <laughs> Why, you guys don't trust Dr. Raven? <laughs> I, anyway, I just stick the blister pack in my bag, and, you know, it's, it's about a week later, I find myself on a British Airways flight, approaching cruising altitude. Seatbelt seats are still on, but the uh, cabin crew is handing out cups of water. And I reach into my carry-on baggage, and I pull out this blister pack, and, and I look at it for a long time. I examine it from all sides. Uh, manufacturer's logo repeating across one side, expiry date. It's really not a lot to go on. Now, I'm not particularly against prescription drugs. I mean, I, I take them when a doctor prescribes them. I, I, I don't know. It's just that five seems like a lot of pills. So I decide I'm going to be very conservative. I'm going to take three. Saddle back in my economy seat and I wait for bliss to descend. And what I get is the total opposite. All of a sudden, everything is going crazy. There is noise, there is shouting. Something hits me from the side of my head and panic wells up in my gut. Oh my God. God, it's the first time I've ever self-medicated on an airplane, and we are going down. There's a problem with the plane. I hear yelling. Something hits me from the other side. And Okay, wait a minute. Get a grip. I, I, I got I mean, if these are my last moments on Earth, I, suddenly I'm thinking about the irony of life vests at 30,000 feet in the air. And, whoa, get a grip. I, I open my eyes, and... It's not chaos all around me. It's a completely empty 747 jet on a runway at Heathrow in London. There's three very worried cabin crew members, and they're kind of slapping me around and yelling, Sir, are you all right, sir? Sir, are you all right? And I'm like, 15 hours of my life just did not exist. And I'm like, I'm like, I was in an aisle seat. There were two people beside me. Like, what, 15 hours? Each of them must have gone to the bathroom three times minimum, five times maximum. And damn, this has been one of the best flights of my life. <laughs> but you know, it was also scary losing those 15 hours of my life. So I made a decision that day. I was done with Dr. Raven's prescriptions. I was done with Valium. These days I find a Xanax is quite nice when I'm on a flight. Maybe an Ambien. And I know some of you are going to protest. You're going to say, but dude, there's a prescription system in Hong Kong. But let me tell you, there's always a doctor just around the corner who's got a whole pad of those things. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell. <laughs> <laughs>